Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 931 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, April the 22nd. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. And you can find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. Please make sure you're supporting also all of the other wonderful Locked On shows in addition to subscribing, rating, reviewing, following Locked On Raptors on your favorite podcast platform. Please do so for all of the other shows covering the teams that you like in the Big Four Sports and the NCAA. Also, if you're a football fan, uh, I'll remind you again, a very cool project that's going on right now, the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021. It's its own podcast feed. Go subscribe to that podcast feed today. You get every local host making their pick on behalf of their team ahead of the NFL Draft, in addition to some Odyssey Sports experts like Michael Irvin and Brian Baldinger chiming in. It is great stuff, and if you're a football fan, it is the best way to get ready for the draft, which is coming up. So go and listen, subscribe, and support that show. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Locker Room. Download the app and join me this week, uh, tomorrow, actually, 11 a.m. Myself, Vivek, and Katie are going to jump on there and take your questions on Locker Room. Locker Room, changing the way we talk about sports. Okay, on today's show, as promised on yesterday's episode of the podcast, we are diving all into Gary Trent Jr., the youngest member of your Toronto Raptors, one of the newest members of your Toronto Raptors, and a guy who I think is super intriguing when you look ahead at what this team is going to be, you know, throughout the rest of this season into next year and beyond. And joining me to talk about Gary Trent Jr. and his lot in life with the Toronto Raptors going forward here is one of the smartest people covering basketball in the whole wide world from the Pound the Rock podcast, one of our faves, Joe Wolfon. What's going on, buddy? Wow. I mean... Yeah, I don't know about that, but thank you. Uh, it's good to be here. Always a pleasure coming on. I'm I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm good, man. Look, I'm a devout Pound the Rock supporter and listener, and uh, I stand by it. You guys rock. You guys are very, very good at talking about basketball, and uh, I learn something every single time I listen in. So hopefully we can get a similar effect going on today's show. As we talk about Gary Trent Jr., and I guess the easy place to start, and I talked about this on last night's podcast, so I'll kind of give the floor to you and your thoughts on this one in the first segment here, but uh, Gary Trent Jr. last night moved to the bench for the first time in his 13 games with the Raptors, with the return of the Raptors' big four players. They end up starting with Ken Burch at center instead of going with the small ball look that they have adopted or had adopted back when they were playing well and Norm Powell was still on the team and all that uh, before the COVID plague hit the team and it hasn't been the same since. Uh, so I guess my main question is, did you like the move? Did, do you like Gary Trent Jr. coming off the bench in that backcourt with Malachi Flynn? Um, did you see some issues with it? Would you have preferred they've gone small and started him? What did you think of the lineup change last night with Gary Trent moving to the bench? No, I think it makes sense. I like, I like the one guy that he could have replaced in the starting lineup is Birch, right? Like you're obviously not going to start him over either of the other four guys. So, um, mm-hmm. From that perspective, it makes sense. And honestly, if you think about his skill set, 
I think probably the thing that's actually surprised me the most uh, and been the most encouraging since he came over in the trade is the fact that he can create his own shot, you know, to like a greater extent kind of than I expected. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a very good game last night, but like since the trade, I think he's been really effective actually shooting it off of the bounce. And so, you know, the fact that he can do that maybe makes you feel a little bit better about playing him with bench units where there isn't going to be as much shot creation on the floor. Like you obviously don't want him to be anything resembling a primary creator, even in bench heavy lineups. But if he's out there with, you know, if he's out there with Fred in a transitional group, or even if he's out there with Malachi, uh, I feel pretty good as uh, I don't know if I feel good about it, but like I feel fine about him being something more <laughs> like a, you know, like a number one scoring option off of the bench where he's maybe giving you like some tertiary shot creation or secondary shot creation in a pinch. Yeah, that was the point I made last night in that, you know, I think at some point in the future, they'll probably lean on Flynn and Trent to kind of run those second units, but I don't think they're ready for that yet without help from one of the main four guys or one of the main three ball handlers on the team. Uh, and I think that was sort of my main quibble with Nurse's rotation against the Nets on Wednesday is that he did the hockey change thing and didn't really uh, have those in-between lineups with two or three starters out there, which I think will work quite nicely with Trent uh, coming off the bench. And like I think you can play Trent close to starters minutes coming off the bench too, right? Like I don't think as well as Ken Birch and Freddie Gillespie have played, I don't think you necessarily need to have 48 minutes of traditional centers. You can, you know, go small and also work in Trent at the three and stuff like that as a spell for OG when he sits, you know. So, you know, I think there's this sort of perception of Gary Trent since he came over that he's like happy with this opportunity. He talked about how he feels wanted and all that stuff. And it kind of feels like people are assuming that means he wants to be a starter and nothing less. And maybe that's true. I, I don't know if I totally get the vibe that he really cares where he's coming into the game and all that. Um, but it's certainly something to keep an eye on, I suppose. And if he's willing to adopt that sort of super six man role, then I think that could be a really nice sort of place for him to slot in going forward here too. If the Raptors end up keeping Kyle Lowry in the off season, if Lowry leaves, obviously Trent will probably slide back into the starting five, depending on what else happens. But um, you know, I think right now I'd probably lean towards them keeping Lowry and having Trent and Flynn be that third and fourth guard combo, which is pretty damn good. Um, Joe, I'm curious, like we haven't really talked much since the trade deadline. Uh, I know you've talked about the deal a little bit on Pound the Rock, but uh, where were you on the Trent deal? Did you like the move for the Raptors? Do you like Trent as a guy? You know, like you said, there's been a little bit of surprise in terms of his shot creation and stuff like that. Um, you know, where were you at and how do you feel about the deal or how did you feel about it then and how do you feel about it now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the surprise, I guess, in terms of like self-creation, uh, he's, he's, still, he's not creating any shots for others and that's you know, one of the biggest limitations I think in his game right now. And that's something that, um, you know, if, if the deal is going to look good down the road, I think that's something that's going to need to improve for sure. Because for now it's like, he's giving a lot of the same things I think that Norm was giving, but uh, also is like missing a lot of the stuff that Norm was providing and, <laughs> and like the, the kind of downhill rim pressure being probably the biggest one. So mm-hmm. I, I, Here's the thing. Like, I, I actually felt really good about the deal when it seemed like they were going to trade Kyle. And right. I, I don't think that 
necessarily like the fact that they made that deal should have informed their decision making when it came to Lowry and whether they were going to trade him or not like that obviously you know they they felt like they could make that decision in a vacuum and I think that's the right approach but you know the reason that it made a lot of sense when it seemed like Lowry was going to be out the door was that if if they had traded Kyle like obviously that would have put them in position to have something close to max cap space in the summer and the fact that Trent's cap hold is $9 million lower than Norm's would have given them the opportunity to use that space and then sign Trent to whatever deal they felt like they needed to sign him to in restricted free agency to blow past the cap. Um, whereas they wouldn't have been able to do that with Norm's like $11 million cap hold on the books. They either would have had to keep that cap hold or renounce him, which obviously they weren't going to want to do. So it, it made sense. But now, you know, they kept Kyle. Uh, so his cap hold is going to tie up all of their space. And I, I don't know. I mean, it, like it's, it's difficult to say, I guess, how their offseason is going to play out and whether they intend to bring Lowry back or not, but um, removing uh, the, the sort of cap space element from the equation, it's, I don't know. I mean, obviously it, they get younger, right? Like that's the big thing that everyone's sort of focusing on is that he's five years younger and there's yeah. maybe a little bit more growth potential there. But I think that it's in the present day, it's a clear downgrade. Like he's just not as good as Norm right now. So, uh, you know, we're going to have to see some important skill development. And I think that he's like capable uh, in in certain ways. But, um, you know, as far as like, you know, progression as a playmaker or as a downhill driver, I mean... I don't know. I, I don't think there's been a ton of evidence of that in the games that he's played so far. And obviously the shooting has been fantastic and especially like the pull-up mid-range shooting, which is something that the Raptors have definitely lacked over the last couple of years. Like that's a nice element to add for sure. Um, but, you know, I think just sort of looking at it right now, I, I'm, I guess I'm kind of neutral and it's sort of a, a wait and see and, and we'll see what kind of deal he signs in the off season and, uh, what it looks like going forward. It's just hard to evaluate, I guess, in the here and now. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, my, my takeaway from the first few weeks is like, you know, the, the, the Raptors got worse in the present day, which is fine because, you know, I don't really know what they're playing for this season. But um, it, it's a move that I think sort of had an eye toward the future. And that's when we're going to have to evaluate it is in the future, you know? Yeah, it's really difficult to sort of have any thought on the Raptors deadline and what they did, because a lot of it is going to be informed by what happens in the off season as a result of what happened on deadline day. So you're right. It's a bit of a wait and see approach for sure. Uh, we're also waiting to see what Gary Trent jr. Is going to earn on his next contract, which is where I want to go next and kind of dive into uh, what you expect. He might earn what he's worth. Is there a chance of an overpay offer sheets, all that stuff. We'll get to that in one second here, but first I want to tell you about our friends over at Theragun. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body, whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me, who is just always sore because I sit in a hunched position all the time. Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power, and it's quiet as an electric toothbrush. That's great. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. 
Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out or an injury or just the stresses of sitting in your office chair all day long, there is no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design makes you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out. And the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines as well. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, hundreds of thousands of customers, and of course, me. Try Theragun for 30 days starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash lockdown, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, right now to get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash lockdown, theragun.com slash lockdown. All right, we're going to continue on here talking Gary Trent. Uh, but first, just a heads up. Uh, tomorrow's podcast is going to be a mailbag episode. Uh, we're going to do through Locker Room and repurpose a big chunk of our Locker Room chat with Vivek and Katie into a mailbag in the afternoon. So stay tuned for that. Uh, all right, Joe, let's dive back here into Gary Trent Jr. And we left off talking about the contract situation with him, obviously hitting RFA this offseason. Uh, he was, I guess, rumored to turn down like a $14 million a year extension from the Blazers before he was dealt. So I feel like that's kind of the floor most people are going into this process thinking is going to, you know, end up being the number for him and probably something higher than that based on him turning that down from Portland. It's also complicated by the fact that it's RFA and will there be demand for an offer sheet with a bunch of other potential RFAs out there who might demand offer sheets ahead of Trent with not actually that much cap space out there. Uh, Joe, where are you at on Gary Trent Jr.'s next contract? What do you think would be a number that would be fair for both sides? Is there a chance of it being like kind of an overpay at this point, considering how he's played so far for the Raptors, um, you know, hitting game winners and setting career highs and doing all the fun things and wearing Toronto Blue Jays jerseys? Uh, you know, what are you thinking going into this contract negotiation for Gary Trent in this upcoming offseason? <laughs> um, I mean, you know, even if he if he hadn't been rocking the Blue Jays jerseys or hadn't scored 44 on like <laughs> 19 shots, uh, it would have been <laughs> like the the Raptors are over a barrel a little bit, right? Because yeah, they get you know because they gave up Norm to get him, and I think that really puts you know pressure on them to retain him. Uh, otherwise, obviously, that trade's not going to look all that great. So. Yeah, I mean, it's there's a lot of complicating factors. I do think he's kind of in that sweet spot where w- with some of the guys who are going to be RFAs this summer, I just think it, it almost precludes an offer sheet because it's just like that much more likely, I guess, that they the, the incumbent teams are going to match it. Like with John Collins, you know, I think that's a, situa- a situation where you might not even see a team sign him to an offer sheet because no team is really going to want to tie up that much cap space in him when the expectation is just going to be that the Hawks are going to match it anyway. Um, maybe it's a little more complicated with Lonzo, but apart from that, like, I don't know how many RFAs are like ahead of him in the pecking order. Uh, you know, I think Trent's kind of in the sweet spot where if you're a team that has the space, he, you know, there's maybe a chance that you can pry him away by, mm you know, going above what you think market value is by a little bit. And, and the downside risk there is lower just because, you know, what really is the alternative? And if you have to tie up that cap space for a couple of days and you don't wind up getting him, well then, you know, it was worthwhile and you can move on and not feel like you missed out on anything. Like that's this free agent class is now so depleted that Mm. I think that might make 
a team a little bit more risk tolerant when it comes to putting an offer sheet on the table. So I don't know, I guess to me, what, what would seem like a fair deal for both sides would be something in the realm of like a four year, $64 million deal. Like that seems, that seems right in line, I think for both player and team. And obviously there's, um, you know, a kind of standard deviation in both directions that it could go, but you mentioned like the, the extension that he turned down and that sort of setting the floor. So uh, I think, you know, it probably winds up somewhere in the realm of like 14 million to $18 million a year. So somewhere in between that, yeah, like 16 a year, four years, 64, which is the deal that like Luke Kennard got. And like, I, I think Gary Trenton is better than Luke Kennard, but, um, <laughs> but I think also, you know, uh, Kennard does not deserve of that contract. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that contract's not looking all that great right now for the Clippers. And also, like, I think there are a lot of incentives in there. And it's, you know, if you look at just, like, the guaranteed money in that deal, it's it's not actually even close to $64 million. So mm-hmm. I think something like that, if, if it's, like, all four years are guaranteed or maybe you throw a player option in year four to yeah. make it a little bit more palatable from Trent's end, um, that seems like what I would expect. That's what I think is going to happen is the because it kind of lines up with everybody else, right? Like OG, his contract runs up until a year after Siakam and Fred, but he has that player option on year four. And so he could be a free agent at the same time as those two guys. And if they do that with Trent as well, it's just tidy for the books. And if you give him, you know, four years, 60 with a, a player option on the final year, maybe that, you know, accounts for the maybe million or so a year you're saving off of what the maybe standard market value would be. Um, you know, I, how do you feel about the team paying him that money? Do you think that's going to be sort of a, a hamstringing contract to have on the books? You know, I mean, it seemed like Norm Powell was tracking towards making 20 million plus, and he probably will at this point, considering how he's played. And so it's a little bit of savings there, but you know, what do you think of the idea of another contract of that size or you know it's obviously not quite as big as pascal fred og but still in that ballpark do you think that's a good thing for the raptors to have on the books do you think it's too um you know inhibiting on in terms of other flexibility you know does 16 million bucks a year for gary trent jr scare you at all i don't think so i mean i think the floor is pretty high there like just obviously he's an incredible jump shooter and like there are some defensive limitations there now, but uh, you know, he, he's not such a clear defensive minus that like, I like, yeah, he's one dimensional, I suppose as an offensive player, but on the whole, I think there are opportunities for him to sort of fill in his game and be a more complete player where I, I think the floor is high enough that I'd feel fine about that. And I think, you know, even in a worst case scenario, if it does come in around like $16 million a year, a a guy who can shoot the ball as well as he can, I feel like that's a movable deal. And it also, you know, if, if it is something where the Raptors are are having an eye toward maybe making a big Mm -hmm. trade down the road, it can be really helpful to have those mid-size contracts on the books, especially for a player who's as young as Gary Trent is like, you know, I don't think necessarily that he could be the, centerpiece of a superstar trade package but that could be like really important salary ballast where it's not just like deadweight money it's like a young player that could actually really 
fit into a rebuilding team's idea of what their future is going to look like. And I think that that could be important if, if a trade is something that the Raptors are thinking about long-term. Yeah. I too am very okay with, you know, a contract in that range and even a little bit higher if it ends up going up to, like you said, because they're kind of over the barrel. Maybe there are some offer sheets lurking out there. If they do up, could go up to 17, 17 and a half, even 18, you know, I think I could get, pretty i could talk myself into that pretty quickly just because of the fact that he's 22 he's already got the the jump shooting bag in the mid-range and he's working on getting to the rim a little bit more often with the raptors it's not terribly beautiful he's a little (laughs) bit clunky around there but it's you know again he's 22 and it's the first time he's really gotten to sort of expand his repertoire after playing basically as a spot-up guy with um with mccollum and lillard kind of running the show and you know I, i don't think he's He's probably a negative defender right now, but it's also like Norm was that too. And so you're not really worried about the drop off from Norm to Trent necessarily. It's kind of the same deal. They're good at different things, I guess, but, uh, or equally not good at some things. I I don't know. I'm not too worried about the defense. I guess the playmaking is going to be the thing that kind of unlocks the ceiling, right? At least for me, I think the, you know, the tunnel vision that he can seem to get, I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily right now. I, I like that he's kind of emboldened to take shots. And when he's hot, there are very few guys who get as hot as him. <laughs> he just, it's so easy when he's dialed in. And obviously it looks rough when he's not, because he does kind of take some silly shots here and there. But, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot to work with there with Trent as a player. And I would certainly bet on, him matching the value of the contract if not overshooting it and then the point you made about trade possibilities that's i think the big one and and that's why i was okay bringing back norm powell just because those big contracts are nice to have in a trade and gary trent probably a, a sexier trade asset on his next contract than norm powell will be at his age on his next contract and like you said, maybe he's not the centerpiece, but maybe he keeps you from having to put in one of Fred or Pascal or OG into a big trade and you pair it with some picks and whatnot. Um, you know, it's just an extra pretty attractive trade piece to have on the roster if that's your plan. But I'm totally also very okay with letting him kind of grow and lining his timelines up with OG and Flynn and all that and seeing where things go. And that does lead me into the question of next season and and where things kind of slot in and also sort of where he can go as a player. We've talked about the things he's good at, the things he needs to get better at. And I've had like three or four different people in the mailbag and stuff ask me, what do I think the ceiling of Gary Trent Jr. is and what kind of player comp is there out there for him? And I have a lot of trouble with it. So I'm going to ask you, the smart guy, uh, about that coming up in just one second here, Joe. But first, I want to tell everybody about our friends over at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, uh, NHL, MLB are all in full swing. And BetOnline even has you covered for award shows. The Oscars are coming up. you got TV shows, reality TV, real-time updated odds and props, and almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news scores and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets. It's also absolutely free to sign up. Just head over to the website, use a mobile device to make a free account today, and when you deposit money to play with, if you use the promo code LOCKEDON, you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So you put in 100 bucks and you get 150 bucks in your account to play with. That is a great deal over at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. 
Today's show is also brought to you by rockauto.com. We're saving money at the mechanic. You're not paying full freight for the parts that the mechanic is telling you you need anymore because you can go to rockauto.com, a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules, brake parts, the important stuff on the inside of the car that keeps you alive when you're on the road, or aesthetic things like carpets or roof racks, things like that. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is super easy to navigate. If I can navigate it, you can navigate it. And you can see all the brand specifications and prices that you prefer in just a couple of taps. Best of all, Prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your vehicle right locked on in their How'd You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you as well. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you'll ever need at rockauto.com. All right, Joe, let's wrap this thing up with a look to the future of Gary Trent Jr. Let's assume he's on the Raptors next year. He gets signed for a contract in the ballpark of what we just threw out in the last segment. And he is part of the plans going forward, whether he's the fourth guy behind Kyle Lowry, the fifth guy, they get a center, whatever it might be. He's in the mix as one of the sort of core-ish pieces going forward here. I Like I said, I've had the question asked of me many times, and I don't know how to answer it every time that is asked of me. Gary Trent's ceiling. Like, what can he be, do you think? Like, he's young. He's, again, just kind of 13 games into testing new waters with his abilities. He's had a pretty nice start to his career. He's proven he can score the ball. Where do you think Gary Trent can go in his developmental arc? You know, maybe not the 100%, you know, the like the, the greatest possible outcome, but, you know, somewhere in between. Where do you think is uh, Gary Trent headed in terms of his developmental arc? Uh, so yeah, you're not going to like this answer, but I just don't <laughs> like, I'm, I'm kind of out of the putting ceilings on players games or like trying to fit. Like I, I just, sure. I've realized in the course of my, you know, career, I guess, as an NBA analyst that I'm just not great at projecting those sorts of things. And I think player development is like very often unexpected and like, yeah, I've been right about players, but I've been super wrong about a lot of other players too. And I think you know, even like the the current iteration of the Raptors is a really good example of why trying to project players forward or, or figure out what they can or are going to be is like such a fool's errand um, mm-hmm. because of like the ways that like the, the players on the roster have developed and like none of them I feel like have, I don't know, just like putting players in a box I feel like is so pointless. Um, I feel like so many of the guys on the Raptors have developed in completely unexpected ways. And so I'm like hoping that that happens with Gary Trent as well. I think right now, like the track that he's on is something more akin to like a J.R. Smith, right? Like mm. he's, he's on the specialist track. Uh, can he be something more than a specialist? Like, I, I really hope so. That would be awesome. Um, and I, I'm not going to say like that that's not a possibility for him, but for right now, to me, that looks like the track that he's on and for him to, get off of that track and become something different, you know, that's, that's going to require him to uh, figure some stuff out at the defensive end of the floor, particularly as a team defender, which, you know, I think the Raptors organization is a good place to be if you want to figure that stuff out. Uh, And I think, you know, I guess one of my concerns is that he's not a particularly explosive player. Yeah. And so as a guy who, you know, offensively, you're hopefully going to 
be doing a lot of stuff with off of the ball. I feel like that's where maybe it gets tricky, which is like, okay, how you look at his free throw rate and it's minuscule. Uh, he doesn't get to the rim very often. Like how much can that stuff realistically improve when, you know, not only does he not really have the first step, but I think this was Samson who wrote that, like he doesn't really have the second or third step either. Right. Um, and well, that's the thing that's he maybe... has to settle for those mid range shots. Right. Like... Well, that's the thing. And like, even when he does sort of get going downhill a bit, oftentimes he's, he's falling back on the floater rather than trying to like power through contract or get all the way to the rim. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think when you look at that and you look at the kind of lack of explosiveness is like, how much can that realistically improve? And it's not just about, you know, getting downhill and getting to the rim and getting to the line either. It's, you know, when the Raptors do run off ball actions for him, I feel like he's not creating a ton of separation. Like even when they're setting a pin down for him or a flare or whatever, like I feel like oftentimes it winds up with him putting the ball on the floor or resetting anyway, just because, um, you know, he's maybe not an explosive enough mover to like create the kind of separation that he needs to sort of stop and pop when he actually gets the ball. Mm. Um, and, and there are ways around that, you know, it's like, if you look at somebody like clay Thompson, which obviously is going to feel super pie in the sky, but like, he is <laughs> not, you know, he, he's not like some super explosive athlete either, but it's sort of like the intelligence and like the, the movement patterns that he uses to get himself open. Like you, you can use your smarts, I think, to make up for a lack of burst. Um, but I, I think ultimately that is what's going to be required, you know, because I just don't think he's ever going to be this super explosive downhill athlete. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think ideally, like you get him into something like a hybrid role where when he's playing with other creators, he is that off ball force that hopefully has enough gravity to open things up for you. Um, and you can run second side, second side stuff for him. And then when he's playing with the transitional groups, he can maybe have the ball in his hands a little bit more. And ideally is getting to a place where, you know, like he's never going to be a, a super high end playmaker. I don't think, but again, if he can be competent as a secondary playmaker or a tertiary playmaker with uh, the in-between lineups, then I think you're in a pretty good spot. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think it's really easy to get carried away with his first few games with the team and think, holy shit, like they have hit the jackpot here and they're going to have, you know, in three years, they're going to be cackling about how much they won the trade. And I still think that they'll feel as though they won the trade pretty significantly in a couple of years time, just considering the starting point for Trent. And again, youngest player on the team, there will be development here. And, and I totally trust the Raptors to massage that in a productive way, whether it's, you know, the defensive side of the ball, they focus in whether it's the playmaking, whether it's all of it, like, you know, there's lots of stuff that can be improved. And even if he doesn't improve on any of it, like he's still a pretty nice little player. Does he worth what they're going to pay him this off season? Maybe if, if, if there aren't going to be any developmental, you know, areas where things get get better then maybe not, but I, I would totally bank on at least some area of his game seeing some sort of uh you know increase in effectiveness just by being in the Raptors machine. And like you're right, like it's impossible really to project where guys are going to be within the Raptors organization, let alone the rest of the league. Like it, it's it's a difficult process. There's a reason we're not in player development in the NBA or in scouting in the NBA. Uh, and we're doing podcasts, but yeah, it's 
I think you're starting with a good enough player here, and there are enough things that you can at least try with him, whether, like you said, it is having him be that like fourth or fifth option, kind of in that old norm role where he was used to excel so much, um, kind of taking advantage of compromised defenses and attacking them that way, or if he can kind of refine the playmaking and become a little less tunnel vision-y, a little less gunner-spirited, maybe he can kind of become that in-between playmaker for those bench lineups. Like, There's lots of possibilities there, the likelihood of any one of those possibilities taking place is it's it seems low just because there's lots of different ways that it could go i suppose so um interesting player man i like do you find that he's important to what the next phase of the raptors is going to be like on the same level as like an ogc Occam fred or is he kind of in that next tier of if it doesn't quite work out you're probably not in that much trouble he's a nice little luxury if things do pan out but you know he's not necessarily on the same level of importance as those guys is that where you're at yeah definitely i mean he he has very much you know I, and i said i like i don't think he's as good a player as norm right now but he is very much kind of sliding into that norm spot in the hierarchy where i don't think you include him really in you know, when you're talking about like the, the core moving forward, I really do think right. it's, it, it's like OG Pascal and Fred, and then it's everybody else. And he could certainly be an important part of that. Like Norm was still an important part of the team, but I don't think he belongs necessarily in that core group. When we're talking about like, who's going to define what this team is in the next four years. Uh, and that could change. Like, I, I hope that it does, but for now, I don't see him as being on that level. Um, and, and to be honest, I don't think he's particularly close, but if he can close that gap, then that's fantastic. Totally, man. Uh, like I said, interesting player who I'm fascinated to watch how things progress to close the season. Hopefully they can work him into some better looking bench lineups with uh, a little bit more help offensively. Uh, if he's going to be coming off the bench to close the season here, we'll see. But uh, Joe, thank you so much for taking the time to dive into Old GTJ today, man. Do you have anything you want to promote? Um, you know, just the usual stuff. Pound the Rock, the NBA podcast that I do at the score with Joey Cash. Um, you can listen to that, subscribe to that if you feel inclined. Uh, I have my writing that I do at the score, which I usually tweet out um, at Joey underscore W. Uh, actually, I have a piece coming out tomorrow that I talked to Danny Green for, so you can look out for that. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Nothing, uh, nothing too major right now. Awesome, man. Uh, well, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, for me, you can find me at Woodley Sean. You can subscribe to rate review this podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, also uh basketball, my other podcast with Katie Heindel, new episode up every Thursday. Uh, just dropped today's episode just dropped. We had a fun little game where we, uh, I read off a bunch of quotes, uh, from James Dolan and Doug Ford and Katie had to guess, who said what? Uh, it was deranged and made me feel terrible about the state of our province, but it was pretty therapeutic as well. So go and listen to that. Uh, recaps and stuff for Raptors HQ, of course, uh, once in a while as well. And uh, we'll do it. We'll talk to you again on Friday with a mailbag locker room edition of Locked on Raptors. Bye bye. <laughs>